how does pop culture's depiction of men make it harder for boys to grow up to be good men? And what are some good representations of good men in our modern culture? We discuss this and more on this episode of The Overthinkers. Well, welcome to another episode of The Overthinkers, where we talk about philosophy, uh, faith, and culture through the art that people make. And I am Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, and here, once again, we have... Nathan Clarkson, uh, uh, actor, author, uh, poet, artist, philosopher. I'm going to add something every single time. Please do, uh, yes. Knife juggler extraordinaire. <laughs> yes, uh, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious uh, connoisseur. Yeah. Um, so yes, and we have a really cool episode for today. We are talking about uh, good and bad men in the media, which we have some experience in being men. I told you we were going to get that representation thing in. Where, yeah. you know. <laughs> Finally, men are being represented. So this exactly, episode yes. has nothing dedicated to men. So we figured exactly. it's and, our, uh, our duty. We have also a uh, really gr- very exciting, we have a guest, uh, the author of a new book called we do. Good Man. So he is here. It is Nathan Clarkson. Nathan Clarkson, thank you for co- joining us today. Surprise reveal. It is me. Yes, I have written a book and it's coming out May 5th. You can pre-order now on Amazon, Barnes Noble, anywhere you can get books. But it's essentially kind of about what we're talking about today. It's about um, cultures, identity, uh, about men and what we think about men and who men have become and what society says about us and who ultimately we really are and who men were created to be. So it's a collection of my stories and thoughts about um, what a good man is, because I think we all have these perceptions in our head. And Interestingly enough, a lot of these perceptions about men or good men come from our media. When I, you know, when yep. I was young, I would think about what is a good man, and immediately I would have superheroes or you know the cool drifter or the action hero pop up in my head about that is what a man is. That is a good man is, or even commercials. I mean, the Marlboro Man it has represented what masculinity yeah. looks like for so many guys. So this book kind of explores what is a man, what is a good man, what are the aspects that make that up and kind of separating those from who were men actually created to be apart from all of the image, um, the images of men that we have in culture and family, whatever it is. So it comes out May 5th, get a copy now. And uh, I'm excited to talk about what good men are and especially the representations we have in media. So Joseph, you were ready for that. You were like ready to go with your pitch. (laughs) The elevator pitch is always ready for us artists. We have, and I can do that for like five different projects right now at the drop of a hat. Please don't. <laughs> well, I'll space him out over the rest of the podcast. Exactly, exactly. We have to get get, get some material in here. Um, no, so yeah, well, I want to just sort of premise this just a little bit because we do live in a very uh, particular time now. I, I was, we're always hearing about bad men in, in the news in, you know, reading some article online, whether we're hearing about you know, Harvey Weinstein or um, Jeffrey Epstein, or pick your favorite politician, or your or school favorite. shootings and incels. Like exactly, exactly. Top to bottom, we're hearing all all sort. Exactly, yes, you're right. Top and bottom, bad men from the top and the bottom of society. We're always hearing about that. There was a funny, um, uh, a stand-up comic I was listening to like recently who was like, you know, we men, we had a good run. <laughs> Uh, and uh, you know there's you know articles like it uh think it was an article in the i think washington examiner i think or uh uh washington post that was you know why can't we hate men um and just recently the um uh los angeles angeles times uh i can't speak today published a study that was saying that for the first time a majority of americans think that women are more competent than men um, Interesting. So it's, it's a very particular sort of time we live in where we're, we're asking these questions. We're sort of having a crisis of, of what it does look like to be a man. So I think that, and you know, is, is masculinity a good thing? Is it worth preserving? You know, or is it, it toxic? Is, or is it toxic? Exactly. What is toxic masculinity? And is masculinity toxic? Or is there some kind of masculinity that is not? And I think that your book comes out at a great time. And so I, I want to start out 
um, because you again, you literally wrote the book on it, or more specifically, you wrote a book on it. Um, <laughs> we're all hoping it's the book. We're hoping we'll it's see. the book. Well, it's you know, come, you check back with us in a couple of years. Um, yeah. We just say it's the book. Maybe people will believe us. That's true. Fake it till you make it. Exactly. So I want to talk about sort of you growing up. What did you find were um, the things that the messages that you got that made it difficult for you? Because again, people are asking the question, like, why is it we see so many men go bad? And so mm. I think that I want to, hmm, hold on, we may have to pause here because I just got, had a doorbell ring. Uh, oh, oh, oh this, this is good. We can put, make it part of the podcast. What's going on? Yeah. Cover me. Okay, guys, I'm covering Joseph. Um, I'm going to try to narrate what's going on. I'm imagining, since we're quarantined right now, I'm imagining him going to the door and finding a mysterious stranger in a fedora um, who is giving him an envelope with a very mysterious message about a mystery he has to solve in the course of 24 hours. And if he doesn't, he or someone he loves will be killed. Wow, that's really exciting. I'm, Welcome I'm, back. That's a cliffhanger <laughs> for next time. <laughs> I'm really interested to find out what happens to me. Me too. Um, so, yes, anyway. Um, uh, Amazon was doing its wonderful service as they do. Oh, thank uh, goodness. And, but somebody, per, for some reason, they sent it to um, somebody gave my package to the wrong uh, apartment in my building. So, yay. <laughs> um, anyway, so back to Ritas. Sorry. Yes. So, um, we're asking a lot. You know, it's like, well, okay, so we're seeing so many men go bad. And it's like, what is, what are the cultural sort of toxic narratives that have been being perpetuated that? you know, are influencing, you know, men to go bad when they do. And I'm wondering, so for you in your life, what were some of the messages that you got or that you got from the culture and you got from media and people in media that you thought made it harder for you to be a good man and that you kind of wanted to correct in your book and that you spent a lot of time sort of trying to correct in yourself? That's an interesting question. And it's so, it's, there's so many pieces to this. And I, I think it has to kind of start out on the basis of what I realized a while ago, and I came to an understanding of my life as I grew, is that stories shape us, media yeah. shapes us, that the, the characters we read in books and the characters we watch on movies and even playing video games, the choices they make and the men that they are and the people they are, they shape our decisions and who we want to be and how we live our lives, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it is interesting as I look back to when I was a kid, I was, I don't know, I don't know about your upbringing, but my parents were very involved in what I was reading, what I was watching. And they had a goal to present to me as many positive images of, um, heroes of That's men awesome. as as possible. And so I grew up with this idea at a very young age that men could be heroic, they could be protectors, they could be good and virtuous. And then it was, you know, as I it grew into an adult and I started experiencing the world myself, I found that there's a lot of terrible examples of men right. and that those, those had an effect on me as strongly as the good ones did, but in a negative way. And sometimes we don't even know they're terrible. Sometimes they're just, um, oh, right. they're, st they're stereotypes about men and who they are that make you think that this is a man, you know, like, like we were talking about earlier, it's a marble man that I, you know, for, in, in my mind, I think of a, a leather jacket, motorcycle and smoking cigarette. There's your man. That's a man. Right. Or, I mean, we have this in, in, in commercials too. Real men don't drink wine. Real men don't eat salad. <laughs> yeah. Real men don't cry. And so, you know, in the book, I want to talk about all these stereotypes that we have in our heads and the ones that I grew up with, um, both the good and the bad and how the images and culture and um, the media and art we ingest do shape how we think about ourselves and what we think about men and who we are. And right now, as I look in culture, I see a lot of really terrible images and examples of men. And then I see everyone being mad at men for being shaped by the terrible right, yes. examples. It, it right. feels like it's a losing game no matter what. Right, of course. So what are, what are, some, what are some of those examples uh, you would give of like terrible images of men that affected you growing up, even though it sounds like you have, you know, your, your parents did a good job of trying to fight against that. What were, what were some growing up or some today that you thought were bad messages you were getting or, or, or men are getting? You know, I look back and we're, I'm going to, I'm going to actually use the same um, uh, uh, story for my flip side of a good man, but I look back and Gosh, one of the, I know, but one of the, the images I remember is the Joker. 
And oh, okay. I, I can't remember exactly how old I was when The Dark Knight came out. And that was kind of the iteration that I really connected to. Right. Um, and I remember being really taken by the Joker. He was charismatic. Mm. He wasn't, he, nothing could touch him. He was strong. You yeah. couldn't bully him. You couldn't overtake him. And mostly because of his mind, he was interesting and he had a worldview. And it's interesting. I wasn't the only uh, young man who really connected. Oh, no. Yeah. And I, and I liked him and I liked his, his, um, I, his swashbuckle kind of um, demeanor. Um, and yeah. And it, it connected with me and it connected with a lot of men and obviously it connected um, with someone so strong that it inspired a very deadly shooting from right. um, this character. But I look back and think, oh, that was a man. That, that, that's a cool guy. He doesn't need anyone. He, he doesn't right. need anything. No one can, he's not sympathetic or empathetic. He does what he wants when he wants. He has power. He can laugh at people. He can bully whenever he wants to. Um, no one right. can touch this guy. And I thought that is, that's a picture of a cool, strong man that I think I look back and go, wow, that's interesting. So and that's interesting because it didn't even, that, that movie wasn't even ostensibly holding him up as a role model. No, not in the least. But it was still that really, that image, had, there was something in it that you said, I want to be like that. Yes, yes. And it seemed very culturally wide too. Yes. I, oh, yeah. I remember the posters, very few of the kids were dressing up as Batman. Halloween. Right. They were dressing up as a Joker, and you see twelve-year-olds and ten-year-olds dressing up as a Joker, a psychopathic murderer. Yeah, exactly. Yep. No, that's 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 an excellent point. You know, I think growing up, uh, one of the things, you know, again, like this is a lot of stuff that I am seeing back, looking back on it now. But you know, when I was a when I was a kid, like again, just like you, I had really good parents who wanted to make sure I had good role models, and I also was really into superheroes. And we're going to yes. get that when we get into positive role models later. But one of the things that I realized that as a, as a young person was that most of the TV shows and cartoons I watched, um, you know, the, the guys could be cool and they could be good and they could be heroic, but they were always, you know, in some, but they're always like dumber and stupider than the girl characters. Yeah. You, know, you had, you know, and the girl characters were always sort of, sort of had a certain moral superiority and were always sort of in charge. Like one of my favorite shows and comic books was Sonic the Hedgehog. Yes. And, and uh, you know, there he was, and it was the version of Sonic where, you know, he was a freedom fighter fighting Dr. Robotnik. And of course his, his love interest was Princess Sally, who was, you know, the leader of the group and sort of the smarter one. And Sonic was cool and he was fun, but she was the smarter one. And of course you get that with, with Tailspin and of course Simpsons and, you know, even, you know, Star Wars, you know, with Princess Leia. And there was, there was a lot of, and uh, Liberty's Kids, if you ever watched that. I love Liberty's Kids, yes. Same, you know. And, and I mean, even look at the Disney, like, like, um, like Tangled and yeah. Frozen. And a lot of those, the guy was the dumb one. You're totally right, huh? Right, and so there was, and I realized as I got to be a teenager, I didn't mind that as a kid. It's like, yeah, I can be cool and the girls can be smart. But as a, as a teenager, what I realized is I grew more and more that I wanted to be, someone who could be respected and admired and I wasn't content anymore to be somebody who was people liked but they felt they could demean and yeah. I and and as I was looking for that I was like okay what are my options like how do, how do I have a different relationship with women how do I have a different relationship with my friends and and you know and people I look I discovered that the culture essentially gave me two choices was you could be James Bond or you could mm. be Kristoff from Frozen and you know James Bond you know you could be you know good at everything you know a a womanizer who never lets you know gets attached to women um and you know it and never it develops emotional intimacy and you know is or you can be someone who is who's good sort of like Kristoff but he's also a doormat you know he he also yeah. you know the his in his relationship with with women basically you know they tell him what to do all the time. And if he ever kind of has a talk back to the moment, they always talk him to doing whatever they want or they, he has to apologize. And he's like kind that. of dim to begin with. He's dim he's, and sweet, but he's-, he's dim, Yes, exactly. And, and I, you know, it was the thing is that I, I had a real crisis, you know, growing up because it's like, I don't, I don't want to be James Bond. I don't, I, I despise sort of what he is, but I would rather be that than be Kristoff, you know? And yeah. So I, I was really, that was the sort of the struggle that, and this is the thing because, you know, a lot of the people who are talking about, well, how do we create good men? 
their answer to how do we create group with men is Krista. I mean, you see like um, hmm. uh, Kristen Bell, you know, was went on, uh, I think it was a Jimmy Kimmel or, uh, or, or uh, Fallon. And she was talking about all these in Frozen 2, like how they're, how Kristoff is such a great role model for men because he, you know, he can talk about his feelings. And because when he talks to, you know, when he talks to, uh, um, and he's, he's, he's like, you know, whatever you want, it's fine. You know, I don't, you know, it's like, no, the problem is though, you know, men are going to look at that and say, we've always known that men could express their feelings and be nice to girls, but we don't know if a strong man can, you know, um, we don't know if a man who has self-respect can be like that. And this who can have a point of view and share it kindly, but still have exactly. a point of view. Exactly. Um, and that's something that, you know, again, they, uh, they often do with girl characters. Like, you know, Nala can always talk back to Simba in The Lion King. And Pepper Potts can always talk back to uh, Iron Man and change his mind. But uh, male characters tend, if they're good in media, tend not to be able to talk back to the female characters or change their mind. And so that was a real struggle for me as I was trying to navigate that in my own life. Um, that's so, interesting. Yeah. Huh. So that's I, a, I was going to go ahead. No, no, go ahead. So as I say is that lots of people are trying to say, how do we make a good man? But the answer actually doesn't answer the question that young men are trying to answer when they're deciding what kind of man they're going to be. Yeah. It's interesting. We were, we were kind of talking about this right before we started and it does seem that men, like you were saying, really have only a couple choices when it yeah. comes to role models of, of who they should emulate. And it's either bad and evil, like, you know, uh, and in charge, like the Joker, right. um, like even like, I'm not gonna call James Bond evil, but he he's cold and he right. can kill people without, you know, so much as grimacing. And right. he doesn't think about, he uses women. He's not, right. um, he's not a lover or someone who can connect on a, an emotional level, he just uses them. And so you have this kind of bad, cold, heartless, version of a man or like you said you have the doormat and who's sweet and good like you know i've been watching through the simpsons again um again with my cartoons but <laughs> homer is good he's sweet he's kind yeah. but he's stupid and, <laughs> yes. you, and you see this over and over he's stupid just like it isn't family guy just like it isn't commercials it's the oh look at my yeah. dumb husband again doesn't right. know how to do something i will have to fix and so you have which version out of those is going to be the one that men are going to respond to is probably going to be the one that's bad, that has power. Right. It, it might be evil power, but it, it's at least as a point of view and there's some strength there. And then all of a sudden we're surprised that we have a culture of men living out um, toxic. If you uh, Right, exactly. We, we, have, we have bad men and men who can't stand up to bad men. Yes. Wow. That's a good, I didn't even think about that. That's great. Bad men. men yeah. Exactly. And just look, we have school shootings and we have guys who refuse to get a job and lay around all day. Exactly. Like, and, and they're, or, or even mean, ruthless CEOs who have no right. care for anybody, or we have, you know, the, the basement dwellers, all they do is post articles right. all day on Facebook and there's nothing in between. It seems right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, you had, you had Hollywood where you had people like Harvey Weinstein and you had all the men around him who enabled him and didn't do anything about it. Yes. Know? So, and, you know, there's, there's, it's interesting. What I think is interesting is like, there are movies like Wanted, you know, the, the um, James McAvoy. Oh yeah. I loved Wanted, Curving the Bullet. Yep. Curving the Bullet. Great. But they actually say something in there very specifically is that you can either be the sheep or the wolf. Huh. And that was something that, you know, I think is, is, is representative of how sort of men in media have been, um, have been portrayed and in, in a large part, not totally, but in a large part. And one of the things I, I remember I did watch a documentary on Netflix many years ago um, called Rampage Killers. And they were interviewing people who had, you know, gone on a rampage and done mass shootings or something like that and we're in like juvenile detention. And they basically all said the same thing, which is that, look, I could either be the victim or the victimizer. Um, so wow. I think it's really, you know, we, we are breeding people like that when those are the only choices made, which is why I think that one of the best movies to show men, and we'll get into sort of role models specifically later, is uh, Clint Eastwood's American Sniper. Cause I still haven't seen it. I need to see this. You really, really, really we'll, we'll do that. We'll do a movie night of that at some point. Okay. There is, I, I, there's one line in there where the father is talking to a young uh, Chris Kyle, who's the, the protagonist. And he says, um, there are, you have three options. You can be a sheep, a wolf, 
or a sheepdog. Hmm. And that's the thing that we need to be able to, I, I realized I needed to realize, okay, that's the third option. I don't have to be a sheep. I don't have to be a wolf. I can be a sheepdog. And that's the model that I should go after. Um, so so I, interesting. Yeah. yeah. So I guess the next part of this is let's go back and say, what are some good representations as you were, were struggling to try to figure out what does it look like to be a man growing up? Um, what that you, you did find that were inspirations that helped shape you in a positive way to be, to be a good man, uh, plug, shameless plug on your book. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I am going to be so, um, so very cliche and I'm so be sorry. Cliche. I, I want to be cool and like, you know, hipster no. and, and say the weird movie you've never seen, but I'm going to say literally the one of the most, aside from Jesus, literally the most cliche is Superman. Yeah. I, I, from a young age, I connected to Superman yeah. in, in a big way. I don't know why, something about him, but I was, I was in the comics, I would watch the movies, and what I really connected was watching the, the series Smallville, funnily enough. But mm. Superman, to me, gave me a picture of a man who stood for something good. He yeah. stood for something, he was good, he had morality, he had virtue, he was self-sacrificial, he was kind, um, but he was also strong. Yeah, He wasn't a doormat. Right. In any way, he was saying, I'm going to be good and kind, but no, you're not going to, you know, step, step on me. I'm going to stand for what's right. And so from a young age, Superman gave me this very simple image of what a good man can look like. And maybe, you know, as I look now, obviously I've been drawn to more complex characters, but in my early life, Superman gave me such a clear picture of both strength and goodness married in this very um, uh, heroic, maybe the heroic figure right. uh, that is Superman. And yeah, I'd, I'd say from early age, that was one of the strongest ones. Um, let me think. As far as another fantastic one, it would be, um, and we, you know, when I when I turned around maybe 12 or 13, I went and saw, and I should talk about this in the first chapter of my book, Lord of the Rings for the first time. Mm, and yeah. that was my first PG-13 movie I was allowed to watch. You hearing that <laughs> should let you Good know choice. what kind of home Good I choice. grew up in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what world I grew up in. Like, okay, uh, fine. You can see Passion of the Christ and you can see Lord yeah. of the Rings. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. It's, yeah, you, yeah, you know. Um, yeah. And besides that, it was just a lot of McGee and me and Adventures Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Lord of the Rings, the first time I saw that, I said, oh that is the man i want to be when i saw aragorn and, mm. and by the way this story is filled with good pictures oh, yeah. well-rounded good pictures of men who are kind gentle but also strong yeah and stand up and aragorn was such a picture of that for me he was yeah. both kind and tender with arwen he was gentle with the emotions of the people he was um, interacting with but don't cross him and definitely don't yeah. try to slay one of the hobbits or you will you will have a sword against your neck. He was yeah. this picture of everything that I felt that I could and maybe should be strength and gentleness. What would it be for you? So I would say I'll give, I'll give three examples. And um, one of them is going to exactly be yours um, is Superman. Um, knew we were up, friends for a reason. Yes. We, <laughs> that was, that was the time we knew. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, cause, cause that was the thing is I, you know, initially when I was, I was younger, a little kid, you know, my favorite characters were like, you know, people like, um, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog and Spider-Man. And, but when I was, when I was getting to be a teenager, I was really quite asking those questions of what does it look like to be really strong and really good? And he was somebody who, I mean, he's, he has all of the power. Like, you know, he's, he literally really, you know, he's, he's got villains who can challenge him, but really, he really has the power to do pretty much anything he wants. Um, there's a line in the, the comic book series um, by uh, Jeff Loeb, um, uh, Superman for All Seasons, where Lois Lane ba literally says that. She says, that's the thing about Superman. He can literally do anything he wants, and he chooses to be a hero. Hmm. And, and I think I also saw in that, in Superman, a picture of, because at the time, you know, and, uh, uh, Superman and Lois Lane were married in the comics. And I, I, I saw a picture of a marriage where you had a strong woman who was the wife and a, and a man who was a husband who she still treated him with respect and admiration, um, even though she was strong herself. Um, and that was something that gave me a lot of hope that that was something that was possible. She didn't um, need him to be weak for her to be strong. Exactly, exactly. Um, and so I got a lot of inspiration in term, from that in terms of the, sort of what marriage could look like. 
Um, I'll also say, you know, um, uh, Iron Man in many ways was a huge inspiration for me growing up reading the comics even more than the movies because Iron Man there was somebody who both, you know, he was a smart aleck, you know, he, he could have, you know, he could have fun. He, he was cocky as all get out. He almost had the cockiness of James Bond, but he, he also, he didn't use women in the same way that James Bond did. And he also was mature enough to be able to run a company, you know, and take on that responsibility. Um, and then also work in the, the world of, of, of moral and political gray areas and say, okay, doing the right thing is complicated here. Mm. Um, how do I do that? How do I achieve that? And uh, how do I f- discover what my flaws are and correct them? All while still being incredibly cool and enjoying himself and having a very high opinion of himself. And I'll say the third one probably is, and this is really weird specific, but Mr. Knightley from uh, Emma. Oh, fantastic. Um, and many people, if they're going to go over Jane Austen, go with, with, with Mr. Darcy. And I really did like Mr. Darcy and you connected with Mr. Darcy. By the way, Jane Austen has created some of the best male characters ever. Um, yes. And, uh, but Mr. Knightley, I gained a lot of appreciation for in, in teaching me because he was somebody who dealt with a woman who frequently exasperated him. And but he was able to find ways to be respectful of her while also challenging her when she was wrong. And then also, even though he was critical of her, learning to apologize to her when he was wrong. But mm. it was a picture of something I was really struggling with. It's like, how do you, when, how do, you do that? And, and I thought Jane Austen gave a very great example of, here's how a man who's very frustrated with a woman in his life, but still cares for her, treat her with respect while also challenging her to be better and, and to not uh, you know, let her get away with always doing something um, bad behavior. I thought that that was, that was really something I needed to learn how to do. And Jane Austen sort of was saying, here's, here's a picture of what that can look like. It's symbiotic strength. It's th- that is interesting you point that out. I think nowadays we kind of have this feeling and I see it in a lot of different areas that um, strength is a limited resource that yeah. um, for someone to be strong, someone else has to be weak. Yeah. And you are either in the strong camp or the weak camp. And very often, if you're in the strong camp, you're bad and should give it up and be weak to someone else. Right. Um, as opposed to saying, no, I am strong, but I can also empower others with my strength. And there's enough to go around. That's an uh, excellent, that's an excellent point to be that strength is a limited resource. Because one of the things that you know, I mean, I, the people are writing about today is that, you know, there's there's various articles who are like, you know, that who are saying, okay, if there's, I mean, you know, uh, that you have to, you people who have privilege, it's time for you to step down from your p- positions of privilege and power to make room for a total stranger you don't know to take on that role and get the power instead of you. And the the idea is that there is there is only so much room for people to, you know, to to have to, to be strong and flourish. And that's not something that is always true in that way. So that's an I excellent think, point that you make. I think as humans, we think of things in limited resource. And, yeah. and there are, and to be fair, there are limited resource in many things, but I don't yeah. think strength is one. And no. I don't think love is one. I think there's many things that, I, I like the word empower because it's something that's it's multiplying yes. the power you have to someone else. So I love the idea of people empowering the less privileged. Yes. I love people, uh, the idea of empowering um, the weak, pe- taking your power and using it to give to someone else. Right. So you can both be empowered that's, to do what you were meant to be and live how you were meant to live. I mean, that's, that's, I mean, again, that's where you look at the examples of people we have. I mean, that's what Superman does is he yes. literally spends his entire life trying to make other people's lives better. And that's where he gets his, you know, glory from. That's where, and you have, you know, someone like Iron Man, who's, he's literally a capitalist. He's literally a businessman who makes things that make other people's lives better. And that's how he gets his power and influence. And, Mm. you know, I think that is a great picture that you believe that by making other people's lives better, that is not a way that diminishes your, um, your, your glory, you know, the, it, it's, it increases it. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll be the one since, since you alluded to it earlier, that is what the Bible tells us about Christ, which yes. is that he gains his glory by the fact that he, uh, that he 
became a human and self-sacrificially uh, gave himself to humanity. And, and it's like, I'm not, that's not, that's literally when, you know, Paul says, it's like, oh, this is what I want you to do. Be self-sacrificial to other people. Because guess what? That's what Jesus did too. So, mm. yeah. Well, and it didn't make God any less powerful or in control right. to, right. to offer uh, salvation and self-sacrificing himself for the world and empowering, I'm using, you know, the words that we're using, but empowering us didn't take away from his power. That's awesome. Now, so let me put you on the spot here for a minute. Yeah. What ways do you in your life try to find, uh, try to empower other people, use your power to empower other people? That's interesting. Well, I, I don't always, as I should, I don't always use whatever privilege slash power that I have, but in looking and trying to remind myself of these people in my, of these figures, these men in my, in the stories I've ingested in my life. That's a good question. I think I love to think and I love to wrestle with ideas. That's what you and I do um, very often when we meet up, we just sit and talk about ideas and things. And I think that one of my favorite things, ways to empower other people is to walk with them along the path to help them understand truth. And that could be a particular problem in their life. That could be a particular um, problem with their job or their romance, whatever it is, was taking these big ideas and trying to, with people, step in sync with them, take any knowledge I have, and I'm not saying I have all of it in the world, but any knowledge or understanding I have and trying to share that in a way that will give them power over themselves and, and over their situations in a good and healthy way. So I'd say the one way that I do try to do it is try to empower people um, through their mind and their soul, through the sharing of ideas and the sharing of thoughts and realizations and experiences well, I've been through. And that's one, I gotta say, like, that's something that you really do a good job about. You know, you don't need to sell yourself short. You were really good at really trying to on an individual basis with people to empower them with the lessons that you've learned uh, to understand themselves better and become better people. Uh, and you have a lot of experiences that help you do that. And you do, you know, make an effort with people to do that and to, uh, you know, um, that's, that's one thing that, you know, again, what we like to do with this podcast is to help people to be able to, um, you know, think through these things, empower them to think through, through these ideas, the ideas better. Um, I think about, you know, um, and, and, you know, it's one, you know, and I think about when I um, am making films, one of the things I, I, I always think about, because I think about George Miller, the, um, the film director, when he, you know, his movie, uh, Mad Max Fury Road, won all those awards in the, the technical categories and all these 70 year old, you know, makeup artists and, and, you know, costume designers got to go up on stage and receive an award. And how inspired I was by that, by the mm. fact that as a filmmaker, you can create a space for other people to get honor. Mm. Um, that was something that's, that's really affected how I look at filmmaking um, ever since. So That's absolutely true. That's beautiful. Yeah. And thank you for those kind words. You do, the, you do the same. I think that's why we enjoy talking about things. And now we're just doing it on a podcast. We are so <laughs> awesome. We're sharing our power. Exactly. You're welcome. <laughs> so, but no, but it's, it, is, it is a thing, I think, that, you know, we, the degree to which we do um, help others in this way is the degree to which we meditate on and tend to spend time enjoying and thinking about and being inspired by the good and being influenced by the good pictures in our society of what a good person and a wor- admirable person worth is. And so if we're doing meditating on Jesus um, and, and in a community that's challenging us in that way, that's as a Christians, that's what we believe is the most important way to do it. But then also the whole rest of the culture to be having more of those examples is, is a very important thing. And I will say that I think the prevalence of superheroes has been interesting in our society in yeah. that I don't ever since the superheroes came out, I haven't seen anybody really make a serious argument for moral relativism. Back in the nineties, moral relativism was all the rage. Uh, so true. We've, yeah. we've moved past moral relativism into yeah. just a new morality. Right. Exactly. And, and I think, I mean, the, the fact that all of our stories, all of our cultures are, you know, the main ones are about, you know, uh, good people being strong, using their powers for others is something that I think is going to mean that in generations to come, the people who have actually grown up on these things, and like I was already a, 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 you know, a teenager by the time 
these movies were coming out and becoming popular. But I think that we're going to see, you know, I just sort of, in a sense, to wrap us up, I'm optimistic about the future of good men because so much of our stories are now, in a way that weren't when I was a kid, are about good men uh, using their great power on behalf of others. It's, in, it's interesting. Real quick, I, I just want to explore that just a small bit. Please, please, you say, please. I, was, I was just thinking about how um, how the positive aspects we see in the figures and superheroes um, of men, I think are conversely, how do I say this? I think every action that a man does that we see in whether it's the media or the news is a an attempt to act out how we were supposed to live. And what hmm. I mean by that is when you have a man, um, let's say, who is prideful, you know, he talks about his money and all the women he can bed right. and, he, and he brags and braggadocio and, you know, he has an ego. I think that's an effort. There's a desire deep in him to um, matter in the world, yes. to make a difference, to say that my life uh, affected others. And, he, and it's been exercised in a, a quote unquote toxic way. It's been exercised right. in a destructive way, but there's still at the bottom of that is the desire that he has implanted in his heart to matter, to make a difference, right. to say that my existence actually is not just a clump of cells. We're, we're not nihilists here. We believe that I believe that I matter. Um, whether or not he knows he's doing it, I think at the bottom of that, um, there is that. I think even the pursuit of a woman romantically, um, yeah. and we end up, we see this hookup culture is just destroying men and women, that's hurting people. But at the bottom of that, it's I'm trying to be intimate with someone to connect. And we're doing that in such destructive ways. So it's interesting to me to look at the good examples of men in our media and the art and the bad examples and to see they're just two, they're, they're both come from the same desire, same mm. um, uh, uh, what the response or innate um, instinct, but they're just exercised in different ways. So I think a lot of times we can look and be like, I don't want to be a bad man, so I need to stop doing that. And I think in my own mm -hmm. life, what I've done instead and said, okay, I have this desire to you know, go be mean to this person and bully them or whatever. And instead, maybe that's a desire to, um, to affect someone. Maybe that's a desire to find truth. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a desire to connect with somebody. Maybe that's a desire for me to feel strong in my own way, but I'm doing that in an incorrect way. And you can look at these uh, these images and these characters and stories and say, okay, they have the same desire that I do in that, but, but they're exercising in a way that's beneficial to both themselves, society and whoever they are around in their immediate worlds. And so it is interesting. You see people like, and I want to explore this just really quickly. Cause I want to hear your thoughts on this. We do have, like you said, we, we are seeing, we do still have good pictures of men. I love the Avengers. You and I saw the opening night of the yeah. last movie and it, it was still, it lives, I wrote a chapter about it in a, new, in a book I'm going to write someday, um, <laughs> how effective it was to see they were standing up for what's right and they were self-sacrificial and they had morality and goodness. Um, but you also have TV shows like um, House of Cards and Frank Underwood yeah. and people are obsessed with him. You also have like, like um, uh, The Dark Knight. People are obsessed with the Joker. And so I think one thing you have to talk about is men, we need more compelling heroes too, because mm. there's a lot of compelling villains. And I think with the Avengers, we're starting to see that. We start to see that there are compelling heroes. But for many years, we've had a lot of compelling anti-heroes and slash villains, so Walter White's, so Frank Underwood's, et cetera, et cetera, the Jokers, et cetera, et cetera. So who would you say, just really quick, and because we talked about kind of our past and childhoods, are right now the best images of men that will inspire men to be the best versions of themselves and the worst? And I'm talking popular. You know, sure. the ones that are so, out there that people are talking about influencing people. So that is fascinating. Really great idea. Not prepared for it. I'm buying myself time right now to figure out if I can have a really good answer to it. Because, <laughs> well, you say, so you say, I would, you know, because one of the things I would say, you know, is you have, you know, I think the, the people that everybody is looking at right now is the Avengers. And you have, I think is, hmm. um, but you know, you've, you've closed out a lot of those characters right now in the movies. And so, but you have, Ooh, yeah. you still have, you know, Black Panther, who's probably the most compelling uh, male hero in the uh, Marvel pantheon still alive and around that we, you know, and so that is going to be something I'm going to, you know, be looking for, toward. I think, you know, in terms of, you know, TV, I mean, you know, you have anti-heroes like Barry, but he's still like, you know, an anti-hero. Um, 
I'm not sure what the next generation of good men uh, models is going to be. Um, It'll be interesting. I think we're my guess is going to be a rise of extremes. We're going to see sure. really compelling villains who everyone wants to be like, and really compelling heroes. Here's here's my fear, is that I think we're we're gonna we're gonna circle back. I think we're probably going to circle back to the dichotomy that we've we had before, where you can be either James Bond or Kristoff, because people who are trying to answer the question. They're not just asking, not just making movies, you know, about the superheroes that they want, you know, have on screen. They're trying to answer the question, how do you be a good man? Um, are those people are tending to tell stories with that dichotomy. I'll give the example of Star Wars, where mm. the only compelling male character was Kylo Ren. The, you know, Luke Skywalker was an old man who um, you know, dies. And mm. Han Solo was an old man who dies. You know, Finn was kind of a loser and kind of pathetic, you know. Um, and, and no one really was interested in fleshing him out. Either. Nobody was. Like, nobody cared. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Nobody cared. Exactly. He had hit potential, but nobody cared to do anything with him in the, in the stories. And again, in The Last Jedi, he spent the whole time just being browbeat by, uh, by the female character he was with. You know, so the I think that the people who are trying to morally answer And then she question, goes and kisses Kylo Ren, the compelling anti-hero. Yes. Oh, gosh. Yep. Sorry. Spoilers, guys. But if you haven't seen it, it's your If fault. you haven't seen it, you don't need to. It's not good. <laughs> so I think that that's, that would be my fear, is that, that that's going to be what's going to happen. I think that, I guess, you know, sort of uh, uh, if we go to end here, I'll say that, you know, as two men you know, spoiler alert, as two men, <laughs> you know, what, what was difficult in our lives was that the good things about being a man were sort of told were bad also. And, you know, mm. the, we're, we're looking at being a good man. Being a man is good. Being a woman is good. Being a human is good. Um, the problem is, as you, know, you said, Nathan Clarkson, that you can, the good things about you can always be twisted into a bad direction. Yes. And so, we think that, I think that the, the answer is to when, when men and women behave differently from each other and, you know, have different needs, if they do, you know, because, you know, there's a, there's a book called uh, Love and Respect, which basically has like- Classic. You, yeah. It's like, you know, if you ask a man, you know, uh, if you ask men and women, would you rather be loved and respect or respected? You know, overwhelmingly women tend to say they'd rather be loved and men overwhelmingly say they'd rather be respected. And we both want both, by the way. Both, of course. Everybody wants both, but yes. But if you say that, but if if men are in a very toxic way looking for respect, the answer is, okay, they need to get respect in a positive way. And so I guess what the call is to how do we constructively have better representations of what being a good, strong man looks like, how being a good, strong woman looks like, that people can carry with them as children and adults it's yeah and and really quickly i i it's interesting um we have come to the place now and i understand it where we don't like men i mean i, I don't want to be controversial but i feel like the modern Even i don't culture, like men no yeah <laughs> it's it's oh it's pretty normal to hear men are trash and right. in many cases they are you know right it's not the hyperbole but you can find a million news stories where you're like well Kind of, yeah. But yeah. I think that, and, and our answer to that has been, we should just rid ourselves of men and anything manly and anything right. that has to do with masculinity because that is inherently evil and has hurt us and has caused, as opposed to how about um, men are inherently good. Uh, well, he had a lot of theological things there. Men have good in them, um, but uh, and masculinity isn't inherently evil, but it can be used for such. Why don't we right. start instead of just trying to rid ourselves of it, trying to turn it in, trying to find the true, truest sense of what it was meant to be, what was, what, who men were created to be. And maybe there we could actually find a healthy view of man rather than trying to get rid of them altogether. Because I'm not, I'm never going to say that you won't find bad examples of men in culture. They're everywhere. But, oh yeah. But if we keep on telling men that it can never be good because they're simply a man, then they're going to give up. And instead, why don't we say, how about we try to find who men were actually created to be in the most positive sense and that your masculinity and who you are, you being a man is a good thing, but there is a way to do it that is a in a good way.
Is that a jumble of words, but I hope you got what I said. Yes, we are jumbling so many words, but it's a good topic. And I'm glad we talked about it. And I'm sure we'll talk about it again. And so everybody, if you have a disagreement of what we said, or if you have other thoughts you want to share or other things you want us to explore on this topic, let us know. Because, you know, we're a small podcast right now. So we might even take your suggestion. <laughs> yeah, you have access to us. Yes, you have, uh, you have, you have power now that you, you, will, you will don't have in other places. Before um, the millions show up and, you know, exactly, they have to yes, fight exactly. for our attention. Now, before we become really popular, we don't care about you anymore. <laughs> and rich. <Yeah. laughs> so um, let's uh, briefly, um, so you've got your book. Say again what your book is and tell people what to buy it. So it is called Good Man. Um, and you can, uh, it's a collection of stories and thoughts about what that means in today's culture and what it means just uh, intrinsically. And you can buy it on Amazon, Barnes Noble, anywhere books are sold. You can pre-order it. It comes out May 5th. Please grab a copy and read it. You can hate it. You can write me a letter, you know, all that. If you love it, you can also write me a letter. Um, but it does <laughs> come out soon. Um, yeah. So that, yeah. And, and follow me on, you know, Facebook, Nathan Clarkson or nathanclarkson.me is my website. So you can find all the information in all the places. Fantastic. All right. So now fairly quickly, because we have spent a lot of time talking about this because we really enjoyed it. What is a piece of art this week that you would like to bless because it's great or curse because you hated it? Ooh, do you have yours ready? I do have mine ready. So shall I okay. go first while you think about yours and to completely ignore me while I'm talking about them? You absolutely should go first and I'll totally ignore you. Sounds fantastic. So I watched on Netflix a this week a really great old class cult classic horror film called The Wicker Man, which I'd, I'd never really heard of before, but I put it on my Netflix queue and I was surprised at how much I really liked it because it's, you know, you make, they make you think it's going to be just this, you know, generic 1970s, you know, cult horror film, but it's really about a clash between Christianity uh, that's sort of dying and, a new resurgence of old paganism. And they really take that clash of ideologies seriously. And without spoiling the ending, the way they end it, you can interpret it either as a triumph or a failure. And mm. so that was a fascinating exploration to me that I saw. And I really, really liked. Warning for anybody who's interested in watching this, there is a, I would say, gratuitous uh, naked lady dancing scene there for some reason but you know it's the 70s isn't that, isn't that what clean flicks is for, for exactly yes called? yeah vid angel yes vid angel yeah watch it on vid angel yes we better get some advertiser money for that vid angel. exactly yes hey you know if somebody wants to sponsor us we won't say <laughs> we won't complain hint um, hint vid angel the 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 other the um the one i will curse is one that i've talked to you about before and but i you know it keeps popping up on my timeline but it is uh, just because we're on theme there is a uh, a comic strip called Lunar Baboon, where uh, the the joke is always, you know, it's about a family and the joke is always the husband is going to do something, looks like he's going to do something sexist, but then he does something feminist and we're all supposed to feel good about it, uh, even though half of the things he does or is going to do that are supposedly sexist aren't sexist, but that's a whole other thing. But the uh, the comic strip here is basically the child says, why do you like daddy? And then the mom says, oh, he does this thing I like. And then she proceeds to, say this horribly ridiculous plan that she wants to have about how she's going to quit her job and become a worm farmer. And then the dad says, oh, well, that's great. If that's what you want to do, I support it. Um, and, Don't support your wives becoming worm farmers, guys. Well, the, the yeah, exactly. That's the lesson. But the amount of times I've had to have that talk with my wife is insane. <laughs> but the lesson is, you know, if we're talking about sort of these portrayals of men, you know, the, the, the idea that, you know, again, like I have, you know, feminist friends who post this on the timeline. And it's like, yes, this is what men should be men who never challenge their wives when she says something that is absurd or at least rather concerning. And uh, that's, that's not a good lesson to give to anybody, regardless of their sex. Sheepdog. So, we need more sheepdogs. We need more sheepdogs. So stop sharing that Lunar Baboon comic, please, people, <laughs> for my sanity. So, okay, are you ready now? I am ready. I, okay, so I actually thought of too many now, so I'm going to have to save a couple. Please, um, yes. So, um, I'm going to do my curse first because uh, I want to end on the blessing. My curse oh, is you're such a, a book, good Christian. And I hate calling out other authors, um, but this one's Ooh, a little tea. fair game. I know. <laughs> so it's called Every Heart is a Doorway by Sean McGuire. And mm -hmm. it's essentially, it's getting all sorts of awards. Um, it's getting, you know, a, a million uh, 
a million whatevers. It's getting yeah. a lot of attention. People love it. Um, I read it. And it's basically, it's a book that's kind of um, in the in, in the heart and in the aesthetic of Narnia and Harry Potter. It's sure. supposed to, uh, it's about a, a school in which children who have had these amazing experiences in other worlds go to cope with coming back and living in a real world. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah, so it's a fantastic, fantastic concept. Yeah, yeah I, 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 hats off um, to the premise is amazing. And, you know, her writing is actually very good. I, I like a lot of the characters. I like the writing. Um, what I don't like is that it has no anchor of morality. It's kind of, mm. it seems that it's trying to, um, you know, where, where Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and Narnia have a point of view about what's good and what's bad. Here, it's if it if the main character likes it, it's good. And if the main character doesn't like it, it's bad. Ooh, and so you have this yeah. very subjective morality that you feel isn't consistent. So an, an evil person can do something good, but because it's, the, it's not the main character, then we have to see it as bad. And another uh, reason I'm cursing it is because she takes a big swipe at C.S. Lewis in the Narnia series. <gasps> yeah, like, oh, and really- Let her be anathema. Literally calls the name and the books out in the book. So wow. I feel like this is fair game. She takes a swipe at Lewis. I gotta take a swipe back at that's every bad. heart, a doorway. So that's my curse of the week. And my, my blessing, I'm, I'm tossing up, there's so many good ones. Um, right now, but I'm going to say, oh, geez, I can't decide which one. Okay. 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 I'll decide. Um, I'm going to say my blessing is a great show. No, no, no. Do you know what? Because it's a good man episode. I'm going to do this. My blessing is going to be Jean Valjean. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the man, and it's going to be ultimately Les Miserables. I, um, it's my birthday this week. And I stayed up till Happy four birthday. with my wife just watching movies. And one of them happened to be Les Miserables. Mm. And I forgot what, first of all, one of the most amazing stories. Second Seriously. of all, one of the most amazing um, or- orchestration of music and adaptation from book to play to film. And then find, on top of it, Jean Valjean is the picture of a good man. He is tender mm. and of a sheepdog, tender, kind, loving, gracious, but strong, lit both mm. physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, so that is my curse and bless of the week. Wow. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much, everyone, for going with us through this very special episode. Please give us four star rating. Give us, you know, five star, whatever, you know, and share with your friends. However many stars do the most stars. Do exactly all of the star things. Give it to us <laughs> and share it with your friends. If you want to see more things like this, or if you have a topic you'd like us to cover, please let us know because we are completely reliant upon you to share with us, to share us with other people. And uh, yeah, so uh, that's us. Uh, and uh, remember, you know, if uh, it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. It certainly is. Yeah, something like that. Maybe that'll be our tagline. I don't know. I don't. Care. I think that's it. I think that's it. All right. All right. Good. Sounds good. All right.